Welcome to episode 71 of Our Brooklyn Bites. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Leon. Now, we played a game this week. We're going to start off with a game we both played. Yeah, yeah, I took a we break. We don't do that often. took a break from my usual retro, uh, you know, explorations mm-hmm. and uh, decided to play a game that you also I had. I brought, yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is a game we saw at PAX East, I believe it was in 2015. Last year, right? Yeah, this game is called Downwell, and it's from uh, Devolver Digital. Yeah, it's the publisher. Now, I thought this was a good review for us to talk about. It's a good game to talk about because I played it on iOS. Mm -hmm. It is on Android also. And you played it on Steam, right? On PC, right. Okay, good. So, Mm -hmm. same game, but, you know, different ways of playing it. Right, yeah. And the game looked interesting when, when I first saw it. We we saw it at the developer's table. Uh, it's actually made by one guy, a uh, Japanese developer. He goes by the name of Ojiro Fumoto. Mm-hmm. He's got a, he also goes by his handle on Twitter, which is Moppin. Moppin? Moppin. Why, why is that? M-O-P-P-I-N underscore. That's his Twitter that, handle. Does that mean anything in Japan? I have no idea. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know if that was a word that... I think, it, I think he uses that in the game, too. I'm not sure. Mm. I think I saw that on the title screen. Now, was this the guy we met when we played the game? Because we met yeah, him, he, was, he wasn't, he wasn't, um, I guess he didn't have Devolver as his publisher yet. Right. So he was just at a table, like, in, with a, um, an iPhone, mm. like, saying, here's my game. And he had some buttons to give away. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and I think it, he barely, he kind of spoke in, like, broken, broken English a little bit. And he, he showed it on an iPhone. Yeah. And uh, it looked fun. I don't know. It looked okay. Well, one of the reasons why I think we were both drawn to it was because it has a very 80s of... Uh, retro look to it it's like sort of like a the spectrum style mm. of like monochrome it's two color yeah well, black white and red well it's actually a four color game oh it is four color four color okay. so, so you can think of it as two bit color because you, mm. you have you have a choice of four you I know, okay, I didn't realize. you don't see the fourth color until the you get further into the game okay say. okay because it Fair means because it means something else mm-hmm. but but generally, the colors actually are significant because they mean something about the, the right. environment and the right. enemies. Right, even though it is, you know, so mm-hmm. reduced, it is. It definitely is important. Yeah. So it came out, I think, October fifteenth of two thousand fifteen. That's that's the final release date yeah. for the game. Mm-hmm. That was when it was released for PC and iOS, and it was recently released for Android. On oh, okay. Was it release recent release? Yeah, okay. January twenty seventh, two thousand sixteen was the Android uh, version. I hear it's also coming to PS4 and Vita. So I bought it for 33% off on a Steam sale. <laughs> so it was $2 oh instead of the usual two ninety nine. right, a good way. You always got to save a buck, right? Well, you know. I think I, I actually, I think I bought it maybe on a sale. I don't know. I paid a dollar for it. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what the normal price is. I think the normal price is the same on iOS. Okay. It's, you know, two ninety nine, and then it's an even $3 on the Google Play Store. <laughs> Okay. It's not going to break the bank. Right. So the game is presented um, with kind of the play field in a portrait orientation. Right. Sort of, uh, I guess you could think of it as that, you know, the same the same way that you would see, uh, like, let's say a horizontal shooter style game in, the mm-hmm. ar- in an arcade. You know, it has that sort of... Right. So it's a narrow play field mm-hmm. and you have big black space on the sides right which is used for like your ammo info and you know your other you know the buttons on the touch screen yeah use that space for that uh your gem count your health things like mm-hmm. that 
but it is possible to reduce that. There is a setting in the game to push those elements into the, the into play field. It, so it becomes like a, a little narrow strip on the top. Because okay. that's how it looks on an iPhone. If you played it on an iPhone, and it is played in portrait mode on an iPhone, you, yeah, you have all those is. elements on the screen, mm-hmm. like in like on top of it your It takes advantage view. of the vertical screen, but on right. an iPad, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And on PC, do you have the option to rotate the screen? Um, I haven't tried forcing my display to be okay. to be horizontal, I'm, I'm to be vertical. I'm going to guess probably not if you can't do it on iPad, I'm sure. The option is there. Like, you can go into the options, the display options, and mm-hmm. select, like, what they call Tate mode, which is the, the vertical orientation of... Okay. of um, you know. Oh, you can. You can do it, but then it's still it's still blank spaces on the side because oh, okay. my, my monitor is still right. horizontal. Mm-hmm. But I'd have to rotate my display settings to mm. force it into portrait. I got it. Okay. So I don't know. Maybe that would work. Okay. I'm not sure. Uh, but we should talk about what the game actually is, right? We should mention like yeah, like uh, what's the setup? What's so <laughs> for for one thing, he was inspired by Spelunky. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind as we talk about this. Right. That was the main inspiration for this game. It's called Downwell because you're falling down a well, and that's how it starts. <laughs> it's kind of literal. You start in this like little, you know, village that you just walk across, and there's a, there's an arrow pointing down. You jump down, and mm-hmm. um, there's you're this little character, a couple yeah. of like sprite high. You're this little guy. The player starts off kind of napping under a tree, mm-hmm. and you're you're sort of next to a, a park bench, right? And um, there's a, like a kind of a flickering crescent moon in the sky. And you see the grass waving in the wind. Very peaceful. Wow, I don't remember this. <laughs> Is that just when you first boot it up or it's something? when you first start the game, yeah. Okay, maybe. It's very quiet. It's very, there's no music. There's no title screen. initial time I saw that, but I don't remember that mm-hmm. anymore. <laughs> but if you jiggle the controls, you snap uh-huh. awake, and you make your way to the, to the right, to the mysterious well. And that's when the game's logo appears and the music starts. Hmm. And that's when you know you're in the game, you know, at that point. <laughs> okay. But you can sit around and not approach the well for a while if you want. You can just hang out. There's nothing to do there, though. Right? No, there isn't. Okay, there isn't did, any reason to be I there. I had to jump around and like try to find secrets, but mm-hmm. I didn't see anything. So you have a left and right movement mm-hmm. only. Right. And you have one button to jump. And when you jump, you have guns under your boots. They call them like gun boots. The gun boots. <laughs> and so when you jump, you jump and you press tap the button again. And that that's how you fire. So your jump and fire button is the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a curious mechanic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do have to manage how you use your bullets to some degree. You basically have charges, is what they how they refer to them in the game. Uh-huh. And yeah, you start with a certain amount, and then you can grow that amount in, in order to uh, use more hang time as it is. You know, if you need to maneuver more. Yeah, but also um, depends on what weapon you have too, because the different weapons consume different amounts of charges. So it depends on what kind of weapon you you pick up and what kind you even prefer to use. Right. So, so that becomes a factor too. Mm-hmm. In addition to your gun boots, you also can just stomp on enemies. Mm-hmm. Not all enemies, though. So as you're falling, you can. Um, you, well, first of all, as you fall, there are platforms you can land on, depending on the stage. But like on the first stage, you can uh, when you land on a, a platform, it'll recharge your gun. Mm-hmm. So you only have a limited amount of ammo, and then you have to recharge it. So that's when you want to land on a platform. Yeah. If you jump on an enemy, um, if they're not a red enemy, you'll not only will you recharge your gun, but you'll also kill that enemy. It's uh, it's an interesting way to play mm-hmm. because, I, like in a way, I think of it as you know how those, those there's 
a type of game now that's kind of popular on mobile, the the whole doodle jump concept. Ooh, is where, it still popular? Well, you know, there's been a lot of derivative games based on yeah, that idea. Uh-huh. The Sonic Jump. There's all these other jumping games where you kind of infinitely kind of jump upwards on platforms and stuff. So this is that kind of, it's that format, but flipped around. It's true. Yeah. You know, but, and also similar to Spelunky, the way instead of scrolling left to right, you're just infinitely falling downwards. Mm -hmm. Although it's not quite infinite. There is, there is, there are levels and and different stages and worlds to go through. The levels are procedurally generated though. That's right. So you don't know what you're going to run into. Mm -hmm. You You still have those core like enemies and like components of that level, but they mm-hmm. will be randomly placed every yeah. time. Right. So how do you find the controls? Do you think it's simple enough? Intuitive the controls enough? are simple, but as far... So the gravity is very heavy in this game. Mm-hmm. So when you're moving, it's very easy to overshoot your character like left and right direction, I find. Yeah, if you let yourself free fall, yeah. you, you find that you're, you accelerate pretty rapidly. Yeah, you go from like just moving a little bit to just quickly zooming across the screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it reminds me of, we talked about The Empire Strikes Back on Atari 2600. Yeah. And I complained about how that movement is. And it reminds me a lot of how that controls. Uh-huh. Having your ship controlled in that. Right. Yeah, I could see that. So sometimes, especially when you're, when you're falling fast, you're moving, you know, left or right, and you just want to tap it a little bit, and you end up, like, flying across and hitting enemies or, mm-hmm. you know, that you're not supposed to. Yeah, you have to be careful of that, or just you know, sort of tap your your fire button so that you kind of slow your descent a little bit. Mm-hmm. You do those f- kind of controlled firing, even though even if there's nothing to shoot at, you just want to sort of control your descent a little bit. And you played with a controller, right? I played with a normal. You didn't play with the keyboard, right? No, I played with a normal Xbox 360 controller okay. plugged into my PC. So I played with both. I played with the MFI controller. Mm-hmm. And they also tried it with the iPad on-screen, like, uh, buttons that they had. Yeah. And I didn't like the on-screen buttons very well, because they're kind of close together, and you can't edit... Like, I like when they do on-screen buttons. I don't mind so much, but I like when you can edit it and kind of place it where you want and make them as big as you want and stuff like that. The the left-right buttons? The left-right buttons. Uh So I found myself wanting to make, like, move right, and I press left by accident or, Hmm. you know, stuff like that. Well, I, based on how I've seen it play on iPhone, though, I think it's I think it's kind of intentional because it's meant to be like you kind of your, your thumb kind of sits between the two buttons and mm, you kind of tilt okay. one way or the other based on how you want to move. Maybe I just played it wrong. <laughs> I don't know if it's but wrong. But I ended up going back to the control pad on mm-hmm. on the iOS version. That's probably the right way to play, though. I yeah, feel. this I, there's like a little bit of lag. It seems like, but I think it's more of. That momentum thing that I was talking about, but it's not, uh, I wouldn't say it's completely unplayable <laughs> either. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as you're falling down, occasionally you'll see shops on the sides of the walls. Mm. Um, usually one or two per level. And these aren't necessarily shop, but it could be like a, a bonus room. Well, these are referred to as safe zones. Okay. Right? So these are, they sort of like, you see like kind of a little rainbow bubble on the side of the wall. And yeah. these, like you said, these are kind of random. You don't know when they're going to pop up. Inside that bubble, though, is what's, is what's regarded as a time void. <laughs> and basically time stops. As soon as you step into that void, mm-hmm. the game is, is paused for, you know, the outside world. Okay. You're free to move inside this bubble, but whatever's happening outside is frozen. So even if there's debris in the air, you see it, pa- you see it just hang there. And uh, you're able to go inside, right? And 
what kind of things do you find in there? Basically, you find it could be a gem uh, cache, which is which is kind of the currency of the game, mm-hmm. or it could be uh, a little weapon upgrade of some kind, or you know, like a different weapon actually. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you get little health uh, bonuses as well. Yeah. So the weapon rooms, you have six different weapons, but the weapons will be either a heart shape or they'll be a box shape. Mm-hmm. If the weapon is in a heart shape, it'll add one hit point to your health meter. Right. If it's in the box shape, it'll add one recharge item to your gun. Or I think it might be two charges. I think it's it might, two? I think you okay. might get two charges out of that. Oh. I think. Even better then. <laughs> right. It doesn't really say. It's just kind of one of those things that you figure out as you play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there are a couple of different weapons. Uh, Did you have a, a favorite? I think, or? to be honest, my favorite, I feel, is the laser. I feel I can make I can make very good use of the laser. The laser, huh? Laser's pretty strong. It has a hmm. strong punch to it. But it does use a lot of charges. But so you get about, like, two... If your meter is not, like, maxed out or anything, you get about two charges out of it mm-hmm. so that means you can jump twice in the air before yeah. you have to recharge it right and i'm usually okay with that usually okay. i do things in a very sort of you know precise way i like i like the i like the accuracy of it and i like the instant sort of effect if i line up with an enemy i can mm-hmm. i can shoot it and that works pretty it's well okay so the only complaint i have about the laser is because some platform a lot of platforms can be destroyed mm-hmm the laser will, rather than, like, the machine gun, which will just shoot one brick, if you're under, like, a platform that has, like, five bricks under you or something, yeah, the laser will just blast through all the bricks. Right. And you'll right. immediately just fall straight down. Yeah. Unless you are, you know, kind of timing that sort of... Right. Where you kind of jump out at the enemy, shoot it, and then jump back to where you joint. Yeah, you, know, you, you have to you know how to from. use it. It's a little trickier. Mm-hmm. I, so, what's your preference, then? I liked the... Probably the shotgun mm-hmm. weapon... Because it, it releases, like, um, a, a burst in front of you. Uh-huh. And, and it, you don't have to exactly be under... You have a little bit of lee room, like leeway of where, how close up to an enemy you can be. Mm-hmm. It's only, the shotgun is a short range, but it's, it's not even a spread, too, because there is a spread shot. But um, I feel like if the enemy is even not directly under you, you still can hit it. And it's a very strong weapon, so right. it usually takes out some of the tougher guys, too. Yeah, it definitely has a, a good sort of you know, damaging effect to it. Mm-hmm. The other, uh, the other weapons are burst. Okay. It's got more of a, like a blast effect to it, but it's a little wider than the shotgun, I think. Okay. Uh, you've got machine gun. Machine gun. Which is kind of a continuous fire. A yeah. Bit. And there's a curious one called Noppy. Noppy. <laughs> yeah. That's one of my favorites too. I like that one. Uh-huh. So this, that's a little bit like the machine gun, mm-hmm. but it, it sort of, tilts slightly in the direction you're moving in yeah. like when you move left to right your your aim sort of slightly tilts in that direction so when you jump and shoot if you're moving left the gun will kind of arc to the left a little bit mm-hmm. if you move right it'll arc to the right that could be useful yeah if you have like if you're on a cliff and there's an enemy underneath you who's trying to come up you can kind of like jump off the cliff like hover a bit and shoot to the left as mm-hmm. you're coming back and hit it yeah yeah, it's it's good it's a, for... It's a weaker weapon, though. Like, the machine gun, it, you have to, it takes a lot of hits to kill some of the stronger enemies. Mm-hmm. There's also uh, triple shot, which is, like, a right. spread weapon. Yeah, so that kind of fires in, like, a, like a three-way sort of a, mm-hmm. a, a angle. And I think there's also something called puncher. Puncher, yeah. Which is kind of similar to the shotgun. It is similar, yeah. 
It's a sh- even shorter range, mm-hmm. but it's a more powerful blast. So there's some good variety there. And sometimes you'll go into, you know, one of those safe areas and you'll see a weapon there, but you might say to yourself, well, I kind of prefer the weapon I have right now. I'd that rather- becomes a problem because you do lose your weapon mm-hmm. when you're in that weapon room. But as a trade-off, you end up getting either that gun recharge mm-hmm. that extends your meter or health recharge, which usually you need. <laughs> yeah, a lot of times. So a lot of times, like you'll say, well, I need, you know, I don't really want that weapon, but I kind of need, you know, you have to sacrifice your gun. Mm-hmm. So, and of course the guns are um, randomly placed, so you never know what you're going to get. But you have also another opportunity to, to get an upgrade, right? At the end of a level and a choice of three most, most of the times, mm-hmm. but sometimes you have maybe less than that. It's a different type of upgrade. This is more like a permanent. Mm-hmm upgrade to your character so i think that there's there's actually a lot of them i think there's there is a lot maybe as many as 20 Mm -hmm. total and you usually have a choice of three of them and that's random that's randomized as well Mm -hmm. yeah so it's kind of up to you if you what what you end up picking yeah (laughs) but you do have to make a choice you can't skip making a choice no you have to pick one of the three Mm -hmm. uh so some of the ones that i kind of like these are kind of interesting this is a pretty long list, but obviously there's something called Apple. <laughs> okay. Which gives you back four HP, which is pretty useful. Yeah, that comes usually... Of all the times I've seemed to get the Apple, I always don't need it. Right. Like, I'll just need, like, one health, so it's like... It kind of... It's a little down. bit of a waste. Yeah. Um, it's not... But it's a one-time thing. It's not as if you... Up, you know, you won't upgrade your health above mm-hmm. what your max is, right? Yeah, we start out with four health. Mm-hmm. Usually. Usually. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have another bar of four containers. Mm-hmm. And when you fill that up, then that'll add another health to your health bar. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a weird system. Another thing, another one that I thought was kind of useful was a drone, which is a little... Mm. kind of, one a of my little... favorites. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a little robot pet that follows you. Yeah, like a little helicopter that hovers above you. Uh-huh. So when you shoot, it'll shoot too. It's almost like the option in Life Force or something. Right, right. So it basically follows you around and, and fires when you fire, which may or may not be a good thing because like, sometimes you may not want platforms destroyed. But, yeah. But I you know. have to fire at an enemy and then it ends up shooting as well. And, and then sometimes it can get in your way too. Mm-hmm. If there's an enemy coming from above you and you don't see it, it'll be like kind of blend in with the, the little drone guy. The description is kind of funny, though, because when you highlight it, it says, beep boop, I'm a, dro- I'm a drone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The game has a little bit of personality. Uh-huh. Uh, similar to that is the heart balloon. Hey, what does that one do? So, <laughs> the heart balloon, um, it's just like a little, it's described as a pretty balloon that floats above you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just tied to you uh, with a string, and uh, your fall rate is basically reduced, so it's almost like a little parachute. It acts as, like, just a way to slow you down a little bit. Now, if an enemy runs into the balloon, the balloon blows up, and it, bl- and it will kill stuff around it. So now you no longer have your balloon, but you get a new one back at the beginning of the next level. So it is a sort of a permanent upgrade, but it can be destroyed as you play. And, but, you know, you'll, you'll end up getting it back. So it's, you know, kind of useful mm-hmm. if you want to control your, your fall speed a little bit. But it does come with... Some uh, some caveats to worry about. I guess another interesting one is called timeout, and that's that creates like a time void bubble around you whenever you take damage. So mm-hmm. if you run into an enemy, 
it'll create that one of those time fr- freeze zones just in that in that bubble. Uh, that could be useful. Basically, anything that runs into that bubble will get killed. Yeah. So it's good if, especially in a busy area where there's like a lot of enemies, if you take a hit, it'll end up creating that bubble, and then a lot of enemies will get wiped out as a result. And also, while you're standing in it, you're you're kind of safe temporarily. So you could maybe examine what's going on and maybe figure out a better way to get out of that situation. Have you used that one often? I usually don't pick that one. If if I get a chance to pick it and there's nothing better, mm-hmm. I feel, then I'll, I'll often opt for that one. But it's yeah, it's not necessarily one of my favorites, but it is uh, something good to have, I think. I like the safety jetpack. That mm-hmm. one gives you like little like rockets on your shoes right. in addition to your guns. Mm-hmm. So if you run out of recharge on your guns, if you hold the button down, you'll be able to float when you, as you come down. So it slows down your mm-hmm. descent a little bit. That sounds good, too. Yeah. And I like the gem attractor upgrade. Yes. So the gem attractor will, as you kill the enemies, they'll either drop these like really big gems or many like small gems. Mm-hmm. And this will suck them in, usually, if you're near it. It's pretty useful because a lot of times you'll you'll kill something in the game and the gems go tumbling away. They fall off the bottom of the screen sure. often. And you have to chase after them if you want to get credit for your kill. But yeah. a lot of times that just leads to new enemies. So sometimes you're not exactly done with the spot that you're in. But meanwhile, your treasures are spilling off the edge. Right. And you want to go chasing after it. And people might be wondering, what's the importance of gems? Because mm-hmm. we didn't really talk about that. Right. And the gems are, like you said earlier, it is a form of currency. Mm-hmm. So when you go to the shops, you can use them to buy things. But also, it creates, if you grab enough of them, I think you have to grab 100, mm-hmm. you create what is called gem high. Yes. And during this time period, you have, once you, once you run into, once your counter becomes a gem high, it starts to tick down, so you have a limited amount of time, and it, it upgrades your gun. So your gun is now twice as powerful. Mm-hmm. And if, as long as you keep collecting, it's sort of like a combo thing, as long as you keep collecting more gems while you're, at, while you're in a high... You can keep that meter going, but if you wait too long, then it disappears, and you have to start over again. Yeah, so a lot of times when you go into those gem rooms, there's so many gems in there that it creates that gem high automatically, right. and you can come out of there you know, with double the, the strength on your gun. It's pretty useful. Um, I think you have to get 100 gems in, in a short period. It's 100. All right, good. Yeah. Um, I think it also increases your weapon range as well as the damage, mm. so that's kind of useful. And actually, there is an upgrade that helps that called Gem Sick. And what that does is it, it actually changes the state of, the, of that, you know, the, the name of that state. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it now is called Gem Sick, and it, allow, it lasts a little longer. Huh. So I it actually extends that, that one. Yet. That's weird. Uh, there's other cool things. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of them. Um, there's something called Hot Casing, which basically makes all the, like, as you shoot your guns... Your, your your bullet casings go flying out the sides and it actually makes them active so if they if enemies get hit by your by your casings they'll also take damage from that yeah that's a good one too so that sort of improves your damage output um there's a whole variety of them they're pretty good but i guess maybe we can uh, talk about the shop as well so if you do come across a shop you encounter this guy does this guy have the name <laughs> it's usually like this little i haven't i haven't seen a name for him okay yeah, the shop, the shopkeeper, basically. He's like a scarf around his neck. It's kind of funny. He's uh-huh. smiling all the time. He's smiling unless you go to jump over him. And then he frowns. He, he frowns a like little that. bit. Well, he doesn't like you going into the back behind the counter. Right. 
He kind of looks like one of the Snow Bros or yes, something. Yes, for, for the NES game, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Kind of has that kind of jolly snowman look he to does. him. He mm-hmm. does. Uh, but, you know, the shop appears randomly, so there's no guarantee that you're even going to get a shop, I think. I don't know if it appears in every level. I, I've gone levels without one, yeah. Well, it doesn't appear in doesn't appear in the first level. Um, only if you have uh, no. Well, if you have the members card, maybe. Oh, okay. I think that's the only time that appears. The members card. No, but that doesn't give you. They don't give you that in the first level. That's mm. true. Like one dash one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess not. Yeah, I wonder. So, but you know, he he has a pretty fixed inventory. Uh, he has three slots that that mm-hmm. might that you might be able to buy an item from. Uh, of course, those items are randomized as well. They are. Uh, but there's six possible items. Uh, so there's Rice Ball, which restores one health, yeah. one HP. There's Sushi, mm-hmm. which is two HP. Two. Good for two. Okay. Uh, curry? There's the Curry, which adds an HP uh, slot to your total health. Uh-huh. Right, that's the expensive one. Yeah, that is usually pretty pricey. I think from the outset, I think it's it's a thousand thousand gems Mm -hmm. on the first world. I should also mention the prices go up with each world, right? Okay, I noticed that. Mm -hmm. Right. So initially, I think like let's say the rice ball is three hundred, but then in the second world it's five hundred, and it goes progressively up. And the same is true for the other items as well. Uh, Other things you might get are batteries. So the battery adds one charge to your total... Gun uh, recharge. Yeah. yeah. Uh, car battery adds two recharges. And energy drink, I think, is, a, is sort of a combo. It gives you health and... Gives you one heal and one charge. Okay. So that's a good value. Usually it's cheaper than than just uh, those two things separately. Um, so if you get that, that's not... Do you ever buy the gun recharge? I feel like I find them along the way enough yeah. that I often don't. I feel like staying alive is more the important. The to me, yeah. That's usually what I need to get. Mm-hmm. And if I don't need the health, then I'll usually save my gems for the next right. shop I encounter, because chances are I'll need health. <laughs> yeah, definitely. These are... I think this applies to a lot of different games. Mm-hmm. There's different philosophies when it comes to what's better for a character that's fragile. Like, do you want to keep in, trying to increase its health to keep it alive longer? Or do you increase its damage output so that it stays alive by killing the enemies faster and quicker? Yeah. So by avoiding danger, you stay alive longer rather than trying to keep up with the amount of damage you take by increasing your health. It depends. Depends what approach you'd like to take. Depends how aggressive you are in your play style, too. So, yeah, that's a variety of things that might happen. So... That's usually what you get on those. Those are those two options that you get from yeah. the from the little side areas. Time also freezes when you enter the shop as well. There have been times where I go into a shop, I see an item I want to buy, but I'm short just a little bit, like maybe twenty gems or something that I need for the item I want. Yeah. So I'll pop back outside. I'll kill like an enemy or two that might have gotten frozen right outside the door, mm-hmm. and then I'll go back into the shop and nice. buy what I need. <laughs> that's, that's good skill. I can't. It's hard to do. I. It just happens to wait to work out. Sometimes. I always feel like I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ruin it and accidentally fall, and then I can't get back up to go back in the shop. Mm-hmm. That happens. Yeah. That's happened to me too. <laughs> so I guess another thing we could bring up are the different styles in the game. So you actually have at the beginning of a game of the game a style select screen, which uh, modifies the the gameplay slightly or changes mm-hmm. some attributes. 
And these are unlockables that you get yeah, you as do. you play the game. Yeah. The more you play, you might unlock a new style. So every time you start the game, you're pretty much starting over from scratch every time. Yeah. But the one thing that does carry over is like your score, which is like your gem, I guess, collection. Mm-hmm. And as you collect more of them, you can unlock achievements. And the achievements are either color palettes or styles of, of your character. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, so there's five I different styles. I, I didn't get all the styles yet. Really? But yeah. Okay. I think I just got the last one. Okay. Uh, yesterday. Mm. So what, what are they? So, <laughs> so it starts off with uh, the usual style. That's a, that's how oh, it's labeled. Okay. And that's just the standard default style that you get when you first play the game. Uh, there's something called arm spin style, and that one's kind of funny looking. Uh, now this modifies the game so that you only find gun modules in the safe zones. Meaning you won't find gem caches at all. Mm. Every time you go into one of those safe zones, you might find a gun module. You might find a stack of gems, usually. And it's usually a lot of gems. Yeah. But if you play with arm spin style, you won't find any of those gem caches. You'll only find weapon upgrades when you go in the okay. side. And also, the shops become more rare. Oh, okay. So that's not good. <laughs> so it becomes less likely for a shop to show up. Mm. I'm not sure by how much. But it's funny on the select screen when you highlight that style, your character looks like he escaped from a loony bin because his arms are just flailing. Yeah, he's <laughs> and they're just spinning like over his head. And, I noticed that. Mm-hmm. And your character is pretty plain looking. It's pretty nondescript. It's just a sort of a almost like a white stick figure, but like kind of a puffy appearance to him, mm-hmm. and just two large eyes, and that's kind of all you see. There's not much, so there's not much to it, but it it still has some level of personality to him. The next one is called boulder style and that's probably one of my favorites to use that's one i use yeah mm-hmm. so you start off with more hp using that mode you have six by default instead of the usual four which is pretty good but as a result of that you get less upgrade options so at the end of a, of a level you now only have two options two upgrades to pick from instead of, instead of three instead of less three. choices now this is okay depending I feel because, like, I, my games don't last that long, so how many upgrade options yeah. do I really get anyway? That's how I feel, too. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but it's also possible one of the upgrades adds a an, an upgrade option at the end of the level for you. Mm-hmm. So if you get that upgrade option, it kind of negates this effect. It'll put back that third option. I guess if you're playing a different style, you'll get four instead of three. But in this case, if you get it, uh, that kind of helps to compensate for it. And now you still have the more health, which I feel is is more beneficial. A different one is called handstand style. And in this one, you get no upgrades at all at the end of a level. But you do get uh, cheaper options in the shop as a result. Mm. Have you tested that one out? Uh, I haven't really played that one. Okay. No, I haven't either. Uh, This one gives you a 30% discount in the shop. Okay, that's pretty good. So that's a pretty hefty discount Mm -hmm. for giving up all of your upgrades. There's no way to restore upgrades without mode, I think. Okay. And I think the last one is called Levitate Style. And that mm-hmm. one is kind of floaty. It's very similar to what happens when you get the heart balloon, but it's mm-hmm. permanent, so you can't lose it. So if you like that floaty style a little better, that's probably the one I you want to I think I have with. that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't care for it. <laughs> I didn't really notice the difference. It's, it's hard because it does 
it does change your reaction time a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. because your character kind of lingers a little longer, it's a little less uh, reflex-driven. You have to sort of modify how your character moves and reacts to things. So, yeah, I'm not really one of my favorites. Like, I, I, I feel like that boulder style is kind of best overall. It health makes a difference. Yeah. Also, the palettes, right? We, we mentioned that yeah. the palettes are things you can unlock. There's a lot of palettes. Let me just say... I haven't unlocked all of them yet. Did you? Uh, no way. Okay. There's, I think I got up to maybe 9 or 10. I'm oh, around there. All right. The last one I just unlocked was the grayscale. The only ones that I think are worth mentioning are, are the ones called V-Boy and G-Boy. Because it looks like, let me guess, Virtual Boy and Game Boy? Exactly. <laughs> the Game Boy one looks like the classic green and, green. and gray yeah. mm-hmm. sort of background. Um, but I also like the, the V-Boy one, the Virtual Boy looking one. I don't think one. I tried that one yet. It's actually not that different from the default look. Yeah, because the default look is already black and red. It, it kind of is. Is black. it the inverse? Uh, With, like, red as the main color and black as the outline? No, well, because the default one has sort of a black background with, like, kind of... Most things are white with mm. some red highlights. Okay. And V-Boy just makes everything red. Okay. And it kind of just blends together. Uh, but that's kind of problematic because certain enemies, you want to know what their coloration is. Mm-hmm. So... I found that it's kind of... It's just not very useful to actually play with, but I just like the look of it. Right. Uh, and the other ones, they just replace the colors with different things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I prefer to just stick with the default one, though, to be honest. I like that that sort of black, white, and yeah, red Yeah, that look. works best. I agree. So yeah. I don't really tinker with that too much. And I suppose we should maybe get into what the different worlds look like and what the different enemies you encounter are. So there's five zones in the game? Mm-hmm. And zones or worlds, depending. Yeah, right. There's three stages per zone. Mm-hmm. So you have one dash one, one dash two, one dash three, and then you go to two dash one. And the first one you start in is called the caverns. That's right. And that's a pretty standard level. They kind of go easy on you. You have a mix of solid surfaces and destructible bricks, and then you have um, a mixture of enemies. Uh, some you can jump on, and then enemies that are red, you can't jump on them. Uh, solid red, right? Solid red, yeah. Yeah. And that, that's true for the whole game. Right, like, for example, there's a, there's one enemy called a crawler. Okay. And he sort of clings to the walls. He looks just, like the guy from Metroid, right? Um, the he crawler of the solid red ones that climb the walls. Oh, the side walls. Okay, I'm yeah. thinking of the other ones that, that climb around the platforms. You're thinking of... The bubble guy? Yeah. No, there's another one, like a little spiky guy. And he, he just crawls upside down around the, oh, right. the platforms. Those are the snails, probably. Maybe. Oh, actually, the snails, I think, uh, just go uh, along the left and right walls. Okay. But the crawler goes, like, on anything. Uh, either way, they're bad. Well, either way, you can't run into them. <laughs> no. You have to shoot them. Those are those are enemies that have to be destroyed. And you have to make these decisions quick. Exactly. You, <laughs> you know, unless they're across, you know, on the other side of the wall, and then mm. you can kind of plan your jump. But if you see one on the way down, and it's in your path, you want to start shooting. Yeah. Uh, the most harmless ones are the ones like that I think of as they they do look like Metroids. They look like they're called bad bubbles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the way they move and yeah. they just kind of float around very slowly. They kind of inch towards you, and you can get rid of them just by jumping on them once. They're pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll take a few shots too if you choose to shoot them instead. But the worst ones I think are the bats. The bats will hide on the sides of the walls. 
And as you get near them, they usually wake up and they'll charge towards you. Yeah, I think I think you have to be either even with them or below or below them. Okay. Like if you're above them, they won't move. But as soon as you cross the same sort Blind of horizontal yeah, plane, yeah. Mm-hmm. they'll wake up and start coming towards you, and they move pretty fast move too. Fast, yeah. I find the frogs to be very irritating. Mm-hmm. Are the frogs on the first level? Yeah. Okay. Those guys will jump, like, almost across the entire screen to hit you. Mm-hmm. They have a long jump that is pretty fast, but usually they're immobile. They're just sitting there kind of waiting to jump. And then I hear, like, a little bit of a croak before, they're, before they leap, and I think their expression changes slightly. Hmm. But, yeah, pretty much those you want to watch out for. Um, turtles are pretty harmless. Usually they they're don't. like the Koopas. You can jump on them. On you the can shelf. jump on them. Actually, I they, think and they leave. A, they leave a corpse too. Uh huh. Right, which is useful for one of those upgrades. Yeah, there was an upgrade where you can eat the corpses of some enemies <laughs> so. and, get, and get some health back. Yeah. Uh, I th- I don't know. I'm not sure how many enemies it takes though, because it's not one. You don't get back one health from one enemy. Like I think you have to eat oh, really? several enemies okay. to get back one. I health. never tried it. No. Yeah, I've picked it, and it it takes some time. Mm. So you have to misleading. You have to eat several before you're satisfied enough to get a health back. But the turtle, I think you can't shoot him at all. Right? No, his shell blocks right. shots. Yeah. So that one you have to jump he's on. The to only get rid one of that him. does that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this, so this is kind of the mechanics of the game where you have multiple enemy types with different behaviors, and some you can jump on, and some you can't, and some you can shoot, can shoot, can. but then others the shooting has no effect. So it's this mix of of various enemies that respond differently to whether you jump or shoot them. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the the core gameplay, I think, of, of how things go. <laughs> Did you know you can do a wall jump? I've never tried. How does yeah. that work? You, if you are hugging a wall, you can. if you move towards it and press your gun boot at the same time, you can kind of, like, propel yourself off the wall. Mm. You can only do it once, though. You can't, like, go, like, left and right. You can't chain it. No. Uh-huh. But if you ever get in that situation and, like, you're just free-falling and you have no ammo, mm-hmm. you can do that and you'll get a recharge. Okay. i got to try that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another type of enemy in this world uh, called the eyes. And those are just those floating eyeball-looking things. Oh, yeah. Those are the red ones, right? Mm-hmm. They chase you around pretty quickly. I feel like all the enemies look like enemies from other games. <laughs> Kind of derivative? Yeah, like heavy influences from... Those look like uh, the eyeball things from like Castlevania almost. Like those little eyeballs with the floating... I, I guess the pixels are so like reduced to almost nothing that you can compare it to things like that. Yeah. yeah. Like, I can think of like four or five games that have enemies that look like that. They're abstract shapes, mm-hmm. so you can definitely correlate them to other, other yeah. games. There's, a, there's something called the worm... The worm is the little, little and they, tiny guy. they they almost look like turtles without their shells. So mm-hmm. imagine like a turtle head, but without a shell attached to it. Yeah, and that's kind of what they look like. And those can be jumped on, and I think they don't even they don't really even take damage. I I don't think you can get damage from them by coming into contact with those. Really, it's a weird one. I think if they fall from above you, they take you take damage, mm. but you can walk on it. And nothing happens. Okay. And then if you jump on it, obviously you kill it. Huh. Pretty interesting. I guess the next world that you go to are the catacombs. And that one changes the environment a little bit. Just a little bit, yeah. It looks less like kind of a natural cavern type of a setting and more of like an artificial dungeon-like setting. It's got a lot of like boxes, like like constructed Crates. boxes. Mm-hmm. 
And um, now it introduces new platforms which can harm you now. Mm-hmm. And, and these are and usually they're colored red. Yeah. And you have like a second or half a second that let you can stand on it, and you better you have to jump because then spikes are going to shoot up. Mm-hmm. So now, but it's not all the platforms. Like you start out on the first, I think two dash one. You might see like one maybe or two, mm-hmm. but by the time you're on two dash two and two dash three, they start introducing a lot of those red platforms. Now, are those are those spikes triggered by you stepping yeah. on them? Mm-hmm. So normally you could be falling and the spikes won't already be. No, up? they won't. Okay. As soon as you touch it, then you have to jump quickly because the spikes are going to shoot. Okay, up. so it's kind of like a timed thing. That's it's a time trap that's triggered by you landing yeah. on it. That's so you have enough time to recharge your your boots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't I haven't spent a lot of time. In World 2, because I usually am very pretty low on health by the time I get yeah. there, and I don't last too long. Okay. So, maybe maybe 2-2 two, two is probably the furthest I've gotten. Mm. Uh, maybe, if I'm lucky. Uh, there are some new enemy types that are introduced in this world. Tough one, especially the ghost. Right. So, the ghosts are, I feel like, maybe this world's equivalent of that bad bubble type of enemy, but these are more aggressive. They, they can go through anything. Mm-hmm. They're ghosts. Why not? Yeah. They but usually they, materialize, uh, you know, out of nowhere. I think, yeah, usually, aren't they, like, kind of, like, very slender, and they kind of shoot yes. up? Mm-hmm. And then they puff out, like, almost yeah. like an umbrella opening. Right, uh-huh. Yeah, so once they get bigger, though, then they're easy to hit. Mm-hmm. But they do, they're very aggressive, and they'll come out underneath you. So the one good thing is, if you're on a platform, even though they can go through platforms... You're pretty much fine because they walk into your boots mm-hmm. and you just stand there and they just die. Right. But if you're in the air, that's where it gets tricky. Yeah, I don't find them terribly bad. Uh, usually they're they're fine uh, as long as I don't run past too many of them. Mm-hmm. And then because they'll gang up on me. Right. So you don't want to be un- underneath them. If you're on top of them, you're good. Mm-hmm. You also have sc- uh, skulls that roll around on the platforms. Uh-huh. There's two types of skulls, right? Yeah, there's a ground skull and... They can be jumped on. Um, they just bounce around on the ground, and a lot of times they'll roll off the edge of a of a platform. So if you want to get them, you want to make sure they get them before they do that. And sometimes they cluster together. Sometimes there's like a bunch of them, yeah, rolling around yeah, together. Yeah, usually. Mm-hmm. And the other type are the flying skulls, and those can also those be jumped on. Mm-hmm. Now that's the one that when it, when it's halfway dead, it turns into a flaming like red skull, right? And then that's when it gets like super aggressive. Is that what happens? Mm-hmm. Have you even seen that yet? <laughs> I don't no. know if I've lasted long yeah, enough to so see those. Be- right before it's like final shot before it dies, it'll turn red and it just, you'll see like kind of like flames coming out of it. Uh-huh. And it just becomes like twice as aggressive and it'll come and it right, comes at, right you. at you. Mm-hmm. I see. So you have to really kill it quickly. I see. Well, I I'm not a big fan of those. <laughs> I can see why. <laughs> the ones that really irritate me are the skeletons. Yes, they're really annoying. And, and those guys are, they'll toss bones at you. Mm-hmm. Sort of like from Castlevania. Right. On an ang- on like an arc. Yeah. Yeah, they're hard to, because you can't, you can't touch the bones, even if you ju- you're jumping down. Mm-hmm. So you have to time yourself when you hit them to make sure he's not going to throw the, the bone at the same time you're about to land on him mm-hmm. or shoot him. Yeah. So, I, I, usually, the, if it's the only character on the screen, it's not bad. But when you have like, a, a, like six or seven enemies, then it gets tricky. Yeah, definitely. It's just a lot of chaos. Yeah. And how you deal with that, you can either try to take them out or you just try to bypass that area. That's usually what I do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Naturally, you're passing up gem opportunities if you do mm-hmm. that. Yeah. 
Um, a lot of these enemies, sometimes they'll put out those big gems, and then sometimes they put out like a, a sprinkle of smaller gems. Mm-hmm. So obviously they're all different. They're all worth different amounts. I guess another one, uh, you see the worms in this world again, I think. And also uh, there's these phantoms that are another another type. They they basically can't be stomped on, but they are weak, and they don't. I don't think they they chase after you at all. They basically have to shoot them. Mm-hmm. Those are one of the types that. You know, you have to be shot to get rid of. And then it goes on to the next world. Now, I think maybe you've seen this world. I've got to this one. This one's called Aquifer. Oh, Aquifer. Oh, Aquifer? Okay. Yeah, the Aquifer. All right. Uh Uh-huh. And it's a water world. Right. It starts off where you enter the well, and then immediately you... It looks like you're entering water, and you see a bubble form around you. Mm -hmm. And now you have a time limit on this. So then you see a counter appear. Really? So you have, I think, 90 seconds to get through the... I'm pretty sure. I, I just got up to this level today. Mm-hmm. And um, you're still free-falling. There's a lot less platforms now. So you're doing a lot more free-falling. Mm-hmm. But um, you have now coral blocks. Um, these coral blocks are red, and they are non-destructible, and you can't touch them at all. So as you're free-falling... So like spikes, almost. The, yeah, yeah, they don't look like spikes, but... They're the effect of spikes. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh-huh. Mm. You do get the turtles aback on this one. Um, I think the those little, like, jelly guys, the bubbly guys are there. Mm-hmm. But they're in, they introduce some enemies that you can't step onto, which makes it tricky. Mm-hmm. This is not that many spots to land on. Okay. I guess the game goes on after that. There's a, there's a fourth and fifth world. Yeah. Uh, I haven't made it that far, obviously. No, I haven't. I, I read up on the fourth one's called Limbo, mm-hmm. and that's supposed to be all red enemies that you can't t- you can't land on, mm-hmm. and no bl- blocks to land on either. I, as you're falling, there's like uh, platforms falling with you, and you can kind of hop on those real fast to charge your gun. Mm-hmm. But um, I, again, I haven't played it, so. Well, I guess if there's those safe zones on the side, and the safe zones would be there too. You can land on those because it's there's usually really- there's usually like a little bit of a ledge on the outside of that bubble that maybe you can land on. Yeah. So maybe that's how you kind of catch a break in that. Yeah. That sounds like a tough level. <laughs> exactly. But it's probably over quick if you survive it. Yeah, and a good chance to combo also. Mm-hmm. So there is a combo system in the game, right? Mm-hmm. I've never really tripped over it too much because no, I haven't either. because of the way I play I, 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 I kind of play like kind of slow and methodically and I kind of try to inch forward but the combos are earned by you know getting multiple enemies one after the other uh, between landing on the ground so if you can hit a lot of enemies in the air I think I've I think I've tripped it maybe once by accident I'm not even really trying to do it but I've noticed that like um, you know there are ways to build up your combo meter and if you combo long enough, like if you kill five enemies, you start getting that combo counter. Yeah, you have to do at least five. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and you start getting rewards the more you combo. And the reward table is if you get eight enemies, you get 100 gems. If you kill 15 enemies, you get 100 gems so and a charge. That'll trigger the gem high immediately. And if you get uh, a combo of 25, you get 100 gems, an extra charge, and an, you'll heal back uh, a health as mm-hmm. well so that's pretty tough to kill 25 enemies in the air without landing it sounds impossible it, it sounds <laughs> tough so maybe you know maybe 
if you know you can do it and you're short on health, maybe that's like a shortcut to getting health yeah. back. But I don't know. It sounds sounds risky to me. And these levels are pretty short. If you just fall straight down and don't touch anything, mm-hmm. what is it? Maybe like ten seconds of falling. <laughs> maybe. Maybe not even that much. You always land on something. Yeah. No, I'm just saying, like, if you were to remove everything, mm-hmm. like, they're not super long levels. Right. I mean, a typical game total lasts two, three minutes for yeah. me uh-huh. at most, and then you start over. Yeah. So it's kind of fun. I don't know. I like the look of it a lot, mm-hmm. and I like how it plays. I like the concept. Mm-hmm. I have a couple of complaints, sort of like I had with Spelunky a little bit. I don't like... That every time you start over, you don't... Nothing changes. Like, everything's exactly the same. And I almost wish they added, like, a scoring system right. in it. So, like, when I play again, I can say, like, oh, well, I scored this many points. You know, maybe I, I can try to get go for points or something like that. Whereas you really don't have anything... There is a leaderboard system with, like, I guess how many gems you get. and mm-hmm. But it's not very apparent. And you have to, like, go into that menu to look at it. Yeah. There's no, like, meter on the top that says, like, what your point total is you get you get a little summary at the end of the game telling you how many gems you collected and how long you played for mm. and so on people who are able to finish the game there is an end to the game it's not actually an infinite type of game right so once you get to world five you know you deal with the end of that and that's kind of the end of the your run mm-hmm. uh so i think maybe to- gem totals and maybe time are really the only score factors in this game that's kind of it i also feel like the the hit box is a little bit like picky mm-hmm. there's times where i thought i jumped on an enemy and i got hit right well to hit an enemy you have to you have to land on it with your feet it has to be exactly if it runs into <laughs> you from the side then that's that's a hit yeah uh, against you so there was, it's, i think i found that a lot of frustrating when i'm trying to do stuff like that and mm-hmm. you know next thing you know it says minus one you're like minus one what? <laughs> right what happened you get, there I, it was like perfect i don't know yeah you get deducted on on screen and, and i feel like that the controls could use a little bit of tightening up yeah maybe. yeah i I, had, I guess i had the biggest problem with the acceleration the sudden acceleration as soon as you start falling too 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 long mm-hmm. i end up losing track of where my character is sometimes even because yeah. things are blowing up because i'm i'm running into enemies but then i'm taking damage as i'm doing it and especially if i have the drone with me i sort of Sometimes I use the firing to try to figure out where I am, but then it's the drone firing. It's not me. So sometimes I'm, I realize, oh, wait, I'm I'm further down. I'm over to the left or something. Yeah, cause especially because he looks just like you because it's all one color. Kind of. I mean, he, you know, he's got a propeller and he's got a different shape. Yeah, but when you're falling, but it, it's, you're not staring. You're kind of like your eye is just looking at everything all I'm once. looking at motion and mm-hmm. I'm looking at changes to the screen. And yeah, it, it, it becomes a little blurry. Uh, but that's... Overall, though, I like the concept of the game. I yeah. like, I like trying to figure out what's the best way to play. Do you, should I hang back and try to defeat everything as I approach it, or should I keep pushing forward to try to get, you know, through things to survive? You know, get. I mean, obviously, the gems are important because you buy uh, stuff with it. But at the same time, maybe maybe just trying to survive to the end of levels and just rely on those upgrades to mm-hmm. improve my chances with each subsequent world might be a different way to play i I like the music a lot it's very nes 8-bit sounding it definitely is catchy tunes uh i've got i've got the name of the people that that worked on the music actually (laughs) so the music is by someone named uh eric zerke i hope i'm saying that right 
his other credits include uh, Spelunky. Uh, he also oh, worked, really? Yeah, he's, oh, wow. he worked on some tunes huh. for that. He also worked on the soundtrack for Ridiculous Fishing. Wow. And he also did a song for Hotline Miami. Okay, so... So he's been around. Some pretty decent tunes there. Uh-huh. And uh, also, uh, sound design was done by someone named Junus Turner. He is sort of the the sound guy for uh, a lot of Lambeer's games. He did all the sounds for Nuclear Throne, and he designed uh-huh. all the weird lang- the weird language that you hear in that game. He also kind of designed that. It's funny, because I have a little bit of Nuclear Throne feeling of this with this game. Mm-hmm. Right, I could see that. With ex- sounds of explosions and with the power-up system and stuff like that, yeah. He also worked on uh, Badland and The Swapper. Those are oh, those two are other games. games. Yeah. They did. Wow, it's an impressive lineup there. Uh-huh. So I feel like maybe these people got introduced to him when Devolver picked the game up. Mm, true. Because I think that's that's how they came about okay. to work on this. But yeah, definitely, I like the music. It's interesting tunes, at least in the first two worlds. I think they change as you get further mm-hmm. into the game. Yep. But I like I like what I hear. It does have that that NES chiptune style yeah. to it. Sound effects are all good too. No complaints really. I think uh, it'll probably stay on my iPad. I don't know if it's my favorite game. Mm-hmm. I find it more frustrating than fun half of the time. But I think it's something I'll probably keep there and just load it up once in a while just to see if I can break my. My score mm-hmm. get a little higher, I should say. <laughs> right. Than three three dash one. It's definitely because the games are so short. I feel like I can, I can jump in, play a couple of games, and then say, "All right, that's good." Mm-hmm. Come back to it later. Yeah. I wasn't quite sure if I should buy the PC version or or a mobile version when I first saw it, but mm-hmm. I thought, well, it is on sale. <laughs> that was a factor, even though it's only a dollar. <laughs> but somehow I. I felt like, all right, maybe, you know, just playing with a controller is going to be more comfortable based on what I saw about the game. Yeah. So that was really what swayed me to, to go for PC and It's stuff. funny. I've heard mixed feelings of people said that, no, this is a mobile game. Like, you totally have to play it on an iPhone because, you know, or whatever, on a, a cell phone because yeah. of the buttons and stuff. And then some people say, like, no, it, this is, you know, you need to controller to play this game. It totally, it totally was conceived as a mobile game yeah. because of the screen orientation and because of the yeah. initial controls. That's how it was. That's how it was first, you know, designed. But I prefer the controller, just like you said it. Yeah, from what I understand, um, the the guy who made the game, he he did it only in about eight months. And he used uh, Game Maker Studio, which is something that a Hmm. lot of people seem to to use to make games. This is actually his first finished game. I think he went through uh, a session of of making a game a week. And Hmm. I think he went through about 12 of them before he settled on this one. He decided this was the one that he wants to f- try to finish as, like, a real game. Uh, so that was uh, kind of a, one of his personal challenges. And I think he was studying to be an opera singer. <laughs> he was actually... He's really? actually he's actually not a game designer by, by profession. Weird. Okay. But this is something that he just decided to pick up because it's always something he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And he feels like this is his, his real calling, mm. uh, apart from the stuff that, that he went to study for. And... I've also seen what the end of the game looks like. I'm not going to spoil it, but I'll say this much that you you do get um you get to see the reason for why he went down the well. Okay. At, at the end of reason, the game. Huh? There is there mm. is at, at the end of the game after the credits, you see what happens at the at the very 
and what caused him to Don't go down. Don't spoil it. I won't, I won't say okay. what it is. <laughs> I'm going to get to it one day. Okay. I'm probably not going to get to it one day. <laughs> you might. You might have an exceptionally so. good run. You're good at that. I'm, you're good at you're good at playing a game and having that one awesome run. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried Spelunky. I never even got close. Okay. So I doubt this will happen. Hmm. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe you'll surprise us. So, any pickups you want to mention? Anything I you did. Got? I did pick up something this week. So I figured it's the 30th anniversary of something, right? Mm, a lot of things. Well, there's one thing in particular. A uh, game. Let's a video see. game. Uh, Pokemon. Uh, maybe. Uh, is no. it? Uh, oh, wait. That's not uh, the one I'm thinking different of. Different one. Uh, is it, it Ninten- is Nintendo. It is Nintendo. Yeah. Uh, Zelda. It is Zelda. Yes. <laughs> okay. So I picked up... So I had a $5 credit for Toys R Us. Mm-hmm. So I, I wasn't going to let it go to waste. So I went in there and I found a, a Legend of Zelda pixel figure. Mm-hmm. Now, this is exactly the same pixel figure that I bought last month that I talked about on my pickups. Yeah. And it's a Link figure. It, it's based on, of course, the original Legend of Zelda game. And this one's colored red. It's a red Link. Hmm. And it came out to like a dollar, I think, after the discount. I, I posted a photo up online. I don't know why it's red. I, like, I, I saw it and I was like, oh, it's the only one they have, so I bought it. I tried to do some research on it to see, like, well, Red Link? Like, I don't remember him in that game. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think he is part of any of those games. The only research I can find on a Red Link is that recent game that just came out. Tri-Heroes, Tri- I think? Triforce Heroes? Yeah, something like that. Mm. And that has a red link in it. Hmm. Okay. But it's not a red pixel link, so I don't know. Hmm. If anyone knows, let me know. So, I mean, <laughs> I haven't played the original Legend of Zelda in 25 years, so uh-huh. I don't remember if there's a part where you get, like, a shield or something that gives, makes you red or armor. I don't know. Hmm. I don't think there's armor in that game. I don't know. So that's my dumb pickup of the week. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just a little, a little variant, I guess. Yeah. Not bad. Maybe that's just because it's a toy and they wanted to just do a different colored variant. I don't know. For any, for some reason. It's, it's, it's lazy, in my opinion. Hmm. What, I hate when, when companies release like an action figure, mm-hmm. and then that next wave, it's the same figure, just recolored. Yeah. Well, and it's like, come on, that's how lazy is that? <laughs> wasn't there another variation on, on those figures? Yeah, almost all of them. Because they released um, uh, Samus mm-hmm. as gravity suit mm-hmm. Samus, and it's like purplish. Yeah. But wasn't like Walgreens has some exclusives even right? I I don't know. I I read a rumor about that, but I went to like three Walgreens and no one had them. Hmm. Okay. So I don't know. Hmm. Could be. I hope not because I don't have them, <laughs> and that means I still need them then. All right. Not bad. Yeah. Not bad for a dollar. Can't complain. Yeah, it's all cost, and then whatever the gas was to get there, I guess. <laughs> and your time. And my time, which is worthless. So. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? What did you? You said you got something. Uh, I, just a couple of games. Nothing terribly special or interesting, uh, other than the fact that one of them was Devil's Third for the Wii U. This was a game. Why that, would you buy that game? Because it was considered to be a terrible game. Well, all right. Reviews were poor. Let's borderline uh, unfinished. Uh, let's boil it down a little bit. Uh, it was a game that came out. That was very hard to get when it first was released because Nintendo didn't print very many of them. This game is a Wii U exclusive, so 
This is a game. Because no one wanted to exactly. put it on their consoles. It was in development limbo for a long time, and it finally came out. Nintendo decided, sure, we'll publish this weird, ultra-violent game <laughs> for our family-friendly Wii U system. Uh, so I thought that was just something I would want to try out. I've seen videos of the game. It doesn't look as horrible as people made it out to be, but but it's no, not particularly it's great. it's a little bit. But, but the, the humor, and not even humor, it's like the the violence in it is very, like, 90s, mm-hmm. sort of. It's almost right. like, like the Duke Nukem, like... But it's, like, not done in a way where it's kind of humorous. It's sort of like they're they're really serious about it. Right, right. That's just from the little footage I've seen of it. Yeah. Well, the, the producer of the game is... Um, like, doesn't it start off with, like, a guy playing drums? It's a, then... He's a prisoner. He's, like, he's an inmate. He's covered with tattoos. He's going nuts on a drum set. Yeah. And um, it's the game definitely has a sense of humor. Uh, oh, I think it is... I can't tell. It's, it's from the creator of the, the Dead or Alive mm-hmm. uh, games. So... Uh, he's over the top in many ways. This game was going for a lot of money initially because it was so short it skyrocketed. printed. Yeah, but now this is like a second printing. Okay, the, the supplies have been replenished, so I picked that game so up. Would you pay like seven hundred for it instead of a thousand? I play, I paid the normal fifty nine ninety nine, which is pretty painful considering Oof. I didn't get to use my my gamers club uh, discount that I'm used uh, to buying most of my that's games. That's why I never got it back in stock. Best Buy has removed it from their inventory. So I guess they're not restocking the game. So I ended up buying it at Amazon. Yikes. $60 on a Wii U game. 65 with tax. That that hurts. That really... (laughs) It's pretty unfortunate. That's what it is. We'll all say a prayer for you tonight. (laughs) Uh, The other game I got was nothing... Another game that's not so special. It's The Order 1886 for PS4. This is... Didn't get great reviews on release. What's the deal with buying games that get bad reviews? Why would you do that? (laughs) Again, it's a system exclusive. It's a PS4-only game published by Sony. Uh, GameStop had it for a mere $9.99 for a new copy of the game. Uh, I think that's less than what the download is for that, the digital download. It is even less than what GameStop is selling used copies of the game for. Used copies are still $18.99. Uh, the game new is nineteen normally nineteen ninety nine, but they had a half off. Originally sale. It was a sixty dollar game though, right? Full price game, yeah. and that's yeah. not that old. No, not that long ago. Uh, I believe there's not just there's just not that much to the game. I think it's about it's a five to six hour campaign, and that's all there is. I don't think there's any multiplayer. I don't think there's any downloadable stuff. It's one of the few exclusives from Sony. Yeah, and kind of tanked. Just wanted to check it out. It's supposed to be pretty well polished as far mm. as the game looks and plays but who knows i i figure for 10 bucks it's not bad to check it out okay because it is a first party game it's probably likely going to end up on ps plus sometime in the mm. future yeah maybe so i wouldn't i wouldn't doubt that this will end up as an offering it's possible but just to you know get the original game whatever okay. 10 bucks it's fine all right well how about we uh, talk about a, a quick news item? It's not even okay, really a quick. news item. It's more of a question okay. oh. that I have based on a recent auction that mm-hmm. was uh, on eBay. Delusional eBay sellers? Uh, e- or delusional eBay buyers? I guess, yeah, I guess so. I guess they're not delusional sellers because they got, they got a lot of money for this one. Uh, we're talking about a Virtual Boy game that was released mm-hmm. not that long ago in, in, 
I believe in 2014 or 2015. Yeah, I think we talked sale. about this one on the podcast one. Yeah, so this is hyper fighting for the Virtual Boy. Mm-hmm. This is basically a homebrew conversion of Street Fighter. Street Fighter 2. Non-sanctioned from Capcom? Right. Okay. Right. It's not called Street Fighter. It's called Hyper Fighting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this game sold on eBay recently for, after 32 bids, for a total of $1,025. That is a lot of money mm-hmm. for a homebrew game. Exactly. It was a complete version of the game. Came with the original box and the manual and everything it came with. Uh, allegedly, only 50 copies of the game were made. I can't believe people have that type of money to spend on stuff like that. <laughs> exactly. It was sold at uh, Portland Retro Gaming Expo in 2015. I think that was probably the only way to actually get it, unless you knew the people that made this game somehow. Hmm. And they reserved you a copy if you're one of the lucky ones. Hmm. Uh, it's notable because it's a 32 megabyte Virtual Boy game. Usually, the games are smaller than that. Oh, really? Okay. I didn't know that. Is there a flash card for the Virtual Boy? There, there was. Uh, it's not something you can just buy oh, at, at will. Oh, it's not like um, EverDrive or anything like that. No, it was kind of another homebrew project. That so if you if you do want to play this, you might have some trouble. Right. Let's use an emulator. Right. Right. And even with an emulator, huh? You're not getting the 3D so effects. I could see why people might want to pay a little bit more to have this one. Right. Right. It's a, it's it's supposedly a really well done rendition of but the it's game street fighter it's just street fighter but it's just the novelty We're of having it on virtual boy now <laughs> that's right <laughs> uh this you know this video's out there if anybody wants to see what the game looks like mm-hmm. uh but i guess the the question that this leads to is at what point do you consider a collection complete do you consider homebrews to be part of a collection no you, you count just retail releases. That's it. And that's how you approach that's my, the idea I'm of I'm not collection. a collector, though, so... Right, right. I, I guess I'm not the best one to ask, but mm-hmm. if I were, like, if you told me, here's my collection, I would initially think it has to be all the retail copies. Mm-hmm. If you had homebrews, I'd be I think those are fake games. It, it's, I'm not saying that they're bad or, or you know, right. that you shouldn't have them, but... Absolutely. I mean, the thing is with homebrews, they're always going to... That means your collection is never going to end because there's always going to be new mm-hmm. stuff. But, I don't know, retail releases are like the official products that were available. You're, you're, the reason why you collect these, these older games is you want to go back to that time period and like sort mm-hmm. of, you know, you want to collect. You want to get everything that was available at that time. Yeah. It's an interesting way to look at it. Uh, but I guess there's different ways of defining collecting, so the collecting too. Right. Are you like a completist type of person or mm-hmm. are you just... Like, do you want it just because, oh, it's a new game for the system and I must have every game. Yeah. So therefore I must buy it. Or is it the kind of thing where you just enjoy seeing new games coming out for a vintage system that hasn't been mm-hmm. officially supported in 20 years or whatever it's been? There's all varieties of, I guess, levels of appeal. There's also the, the rarity factor of something like this, because there were only 50 made, mm. being able to get one yeah, of them. Yeah, but let's, I mean, come on. That person who made them could make another 50. They could. What's stopping them? That's true. Can, does he not have, like, blank cards to work with? or? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the limitations are. I mean, if there's are. a demand for it, just mm-hmm. make some more. Right. Like, why why s- kind of, like, screw your fans mm-hmm. out of playing something they want to play? Right. Yeah. I, I think, in my mind, there definitely is a, sort of a, 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 like, an invisible line between the retail stuff that's come out from the original manufacturer versus the 
the homebrew stuff. And the homebrew stuff could be top quality. It could be better than Sometimes the games. Sometimes they're better, yeah. Than the, the original games that came out. So this is not to take away from the quality of the people mm-hmm. that pick the time to make these games because that takes a certain talent and dedication, obviously. But <laughs> but like you said, it's it's different from the games that came from the factory that only exist from the manufacturer. The ones you might have grown up with, mm-hmm. you know. Right. And you have that nostalgia for. Sure. Yeah. Some of these homebrews could be games you wish you saw on those systems. Right. They could be conversions of, A lot of times, arcade yeah. games or games from another another competing system that never came out. So Good th- point. there's all kinds of varieties of things that that could be offered, but but again, I because it's sort of homemade because it's it's something that somebody crafted because you know, they just decided I'm going to make a few of these. Yeah. It still doesn't quite have that same appeal that that like a retail release did. I don't think so. But but I still like a lot of them, and I have homebrews in my collection. I know you have a bunch. I I, I get them. I don't know. I, I I guess I don't. I'm definitely not a completist. I don't try to get everything. I get the ones that are sort of in my path. If I can if I can get it, and it, I think it's reasonably priced, and I don't have to go do anything too crazy, I'll, I'll pick it up. Do you usually pick it up based on like a preference for that particular game, or just because it's a homebrew and that's all you need to know. It could be uh, any of those things could be true. Like you really want to play or, uh, usually not. Okay. I wouldn't say the gameplay necessarily is, uh, the draw. Cause if I'm spending a thousand dollars on a game, Mm -hmm. I really want to play that game. I think. Yeah. Well, obviously this is just someone that had to have it. A minute. How would, now I'm thinking about it. Street Fighter two is really like a two player game. Like most people would play it at multiplayer. Mm -hmm. So how do you play co-op? Uh, you have to play the, the computer Boy. computer opponent, I guess. Does it doesn't have a link cable or anything on the Virtual Boy? I don't believe so. I never. Okay. I don't think there are any. Because that tennis game was two was two player. No, uh, no. tennis was it? No, you played against a computer opponent. Hmm. Okay. Pretty sure. Well, if anyone <laughs> isn't a Virtual Boy expert, well, let uh-huh. us know. <laughs> right. And what is your limit for homebrew spending, mm. if any? Wow, I think my limit uh, probably about fifty to sixty dollars. Maybe that's my that's my cap. Wow, that much? That much? <laughs> <laughs> I think mine is maybe twenty. Mm-hmm. I'd probably go twenty on a homebrew game. Yeah, yeah, even rarities, so-called rarities. Yeah, I'm trying to just think of a, a homebrew game that I might even think about buying. I can't. Mm-hmm. The only one I almost bought was I think it was called Synthcart on. Atari 2600, mm-hmm. which right. turned the Atari into like a, a groove box of like a music maker. Yeah. And I came close to buying that, but I never did. So that's about as close as I ever got. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but do you count EverDrives as homebrew cards? Uh, well, no. I mean, those are flashcards. Okay. So. Well, it's still homemade. Right. But how about indie games? Like mm-hmm. an indie game on you know, iPhone or something. Right. There's a made, like this game we talked about Downwell. Yeah. Isn't that a homebrew in some way? Uh, technically it's made by one person. It would be, but I suppose because, uh, I, I mean, I think homebrew, it, it indicates unlicensed perhaps mm. someone who, you know, makes a game that is not obviously it didn't come out in retail form. So it's just somebody that they made them in their house. 
or okay. or they made them, you know, through Atari Age or something like that, some channel like that. But they that. look professional though. They could. Oh, yeah, not all the time. <laughs> Most it's, of the it's, time. It's degrees. Like this particular one had a book, mm-hmm. like a full color book. Had a box, box. and everything. It okay. looked like it looked like a box on the you know you'd see on the shelf for sure. with your other Virtual Boy games. It looked as good as a retail game. So it wasn't like you know a computer printout or something like you know mm-hmm. a really cheaply made product. Right. I don't know. I, I guess I guess for digital games, I don't I don't have that uh, that association because it doesn't need to be. It is different. Yeah doesn't need to be produced physically so mm-hmm. even though we see that too we see we see physical releases yeah. of indie digital only games and those are usually through some some channels as and, well and it's, those are not that cheap either either mm-hmm. which is funny yeah it's interesting all right <laughs> so i guess we'll move on to some feedback okay we had some uh Kind souls that left us some comments on our recent episodes. More like poor souls. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, we have this week? I'll start off with a comment from Earl Grey the Third. Mm. He mentions that um, he listened to episode seventy, our last episode, mm-hmm. where I discussed my playthrough of Metroid Zero Mission. He says uh, Zero Mission is probably among my favorite games of all time. And probably my second favorite, Thanks. Metroidvania behind Symphony of the Night. Cool. Listening to this episode reminded me of how much I enjoyed it and can already feel the urge to play it again coming on. So I've uh, inspired at least one person to yeah. replay this game. You know why? Yeah, because I was look- looking at some YouTube clips after we did our podcast. Uh-huh. And I was looking at it, I was like, yeah, this game was fun. <laughs> I-, I would like to go back. I don't know if I want to go back to it, but... I, I would like to play a new game of that. I wish Nintendo would make another Metroid in that style. It's been a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I played Axiom Verge last year, and that was good. I mean, that that was definitely good, but, you know, you come to... You get used to these characters mm-hmm. in Metroid that, you know, you want to see again. Sure. So I wouldn't mind. I mean, I would say... I haven't, like I said, I've, I've played this game. I've played a little bit of Fusion. Fusion. And I've dabbled with some of the... Some of the, you know, the prime games. Mm-hmm. But overall, because this is a science fiction setting, futuristic setting, and it's kind of got a serious tone to it, I feel like I've, I'm drawn to play the Metroid games more so than than any of the other core Nintendo franchises. I feel like it's just, you know, it's got enough of those elements put together that I, I would want to play some it more It still of bothers me she has blonde hair. <laughs> I wish she didn't have blonde hair. Because of the original sprite, <laughs> yeah, because the original NES sprite. Maybe that was she a limi- wasn't blonde. Maybe that was a Same limitation. Peach. Maybe that was a limitation of the NES color Why are they palette. Make her blonde. She was originally redhead. Oh, I can't. I can't. I couldn't tell you. Because blonde sells. That's why. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I wonder. Yeah. Uh, Earl also makes another comment and says that he also agrees that Zero Mission has music that's great but repetitive. I. Uh, he goes on to say, it makes me sincerely wonder if Tanaka could have had a great career as a jingle writer. And <laughs> I believe he's referring to uh, Beat Tanaka, guy did music for a lot of the original NES games. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe he worked on this game, but I guess they used some of the themes, perhaps, in, in, in this. Sure. I, the guy seemed really prolific, if you look at his resume. He's mm-hmm. got a lot of works to his name. So I imagine being able to come up with tunes... For these games to represent various uh, settings and themes, it's a bit of a challenge. It's I don't see it any different than uh, you know, like a composer for a film or something like that. 
you know, definitely similar skill set in my mind. Sure. Uh, Greg Izzy also commented on this episode. Hmm. He says, I didn't quite agree with Leon's pronunciation of Samus Aran or Planet Zebus. <laughs> and maybe I think we discussed this a little bit before we <laughs> recorded. <laughs> we even said, like, how do you say some of these words? Because you grew up with the series and you probably had... You you had your own so, concepts of how you yeah, say these, talk these things. Well, so when I grew up with this, mm-hmm. I used to call her Seamus. <laughs> right. I, I just said, and I know it's not, I don't know where I got that from, but I always called her Seamus. Uh-huh. Aran, I used to say. Yeah. Or Aaron, I used to say. Seamus Aaron. And I don't know. That always seemed normal to me until just, you know, the last what, five or ten years or something. Mm-hmm. I think. And I said Zeebies, I think, right? Zeebi or Zeebs. Zeebs. I, I forget s- what I said. I mean, obviously, it's. Zeeb- I think I said Zeebies. It's an it's an alien word. Nobody knows what this means. <laughs> you better get it right. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, he, I, I I mentioned to Greg. I said, you know, I based I based the pronunciation based on what I saw because the question was in my mind: How do you say these words? Because mm-hmm. it's not that clear. So I looked up what it looked like in in the the Japanese uh, manual and in the, in the sources for. Mm-hmm for how this is written out in katakana in japanese where it's phonetic right you actually did that research well i i had to solve the mystery wow (laughs) so at least i mean maybe it's different for for american audiences maybe nintendo of america set some other uh sort of standard for how you say these words but i've never seen them said in anything Hmm. so i don't know how these are pronounced and maybe yeah i didn't play a lot of the later games so i don't know if they mentioned her name Mm mm-hmm because Nintendo doesn't do a lot of voiceover work right. like, in their stuff, so I don't know if, if they actually, like, pronounce it, you know. I've heard it mentioned as, like, her, like it's Samus Aran. Like, more like Aran, more okay. so than Aran, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, with an A. Yeah. But who knows? That could just be the intonation of that particular recording session. Right. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess it's it's up for debate and mm. interpretation, not to some. And it depends on what the kids in the schoolyard said growing up. I don't know. I didn't have that experience. So so I just had to go by by what's written down. He also goes on to say, otherwise a great Metroid discussion. One of my favorite franchises ever. Have they ever revisited it recently? Two Metroid fans. Yeah, I guess, um, you know, Other M for the Wii was the last official game that was released. I guess there's been offshoots. There's been... That game that they announced at the last E3, I think Federation yeah. Force. That's uh, kind of like, that was like a lot like a sports kind, kind of game. Of. That's yeah. the only other. It almost didn't seem like a Metroid game at all. Right, no. right. They kind of forced that. Yeah. So yeah, there's different. There's been a lot of games. So I guess I guess they're overdue. For... But there's a lot of, especially now. There's a lot of those type of games that are similar to that style of gameplay. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I mean. The whole Metroidvania genre, <laughs> I guess, owes so I'm, I'm almost thinking, existence. like, even if it came back, I don't know how if people would be as excited for it as they would have been a couple of years ago, because mm-hmm. now there's so many types of those games. Right. Yeah, I wonder. But I think they'd still be excited. Mm. Greg also commented on episode 69, our discussion of uh, Legendary Acts and other things. Mm. So he mentions... Uh, Enjoyed the episode, thanks. Uh, I could never play one of those games that accrued years' worth of statistics. This is in relation to the story that we had about the game that lost two years' worth of oh, customer data. Uh-huh. 
Um, he says, I used to do that with racing sims where your performance was rated and would just go insane trying to get it bumped up a tenth of a point. Tenth. So isn't that... Kind of, but that's... So racing games, I mean, that's that's part of that style of gameplay, mm-hmm. basically the, the time trial, where basically you learn the course down to Fraction. every last turn mm-hmm. and you're basically trying to improve your time, your lap time on uh, on you know each track. And it could just come down to minuscule little advances of, of time. That reminds me of when I used to try to get high scores on Dragster mm-hmm. for the 2600. Mm-hmm. And I used to try to just get that one like decimal right. point and I could never do it. But he's talking about like over years worth of that and that's insane to lose that much. Yeah, for sure. I would go nuts. I, it doesn't matter what it is. If you're keeping track of anything at all and you lose that information, mm-hmm. it is frustrating for sure. <laughs> that's happened on many things. I mean, I talked to you recently about my my podcast, the other podcast that I listened to and how I lost the database for what podcasts episodes I've listened to <laughs> and what position in the audio for some of them that I was, you know, uh-huh. that I had, res- you know, paused and I have to resume and go back to. So the fact that I don't have that information anymore just throws my collection into chaos. I don't know. So what- this is true in all aspects of your life. It probably is. I think so. It extends to many things. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, he also comments on, uh, you know, legendary acts. We, we talked about for the TurboGrafx-16, he says, as for the TG-16 in general, NEC did poorly. In fact, so bad that they hurt themselves, even in Japan, because they failed to sell a ton of consoles, and the CEO refused to cut their order from the Taiwanese supplier. Wow, I didn't know. Out was, of honor. Yeah. <laughs> now I didn't hear about any My this. impression is that the, the PC Engine did fairly well in Japan during mm-hmm. its time. It, it did come in an odd time, because it was sort of in between... The NES 8-bit era and the 16-bit Genesis slash Super Nintendo era. It kind of straddled both time yeah, periods. right. But I thought it did okay for its time. Mm-hmm. The only information that I could find is that they only sold about 10 million consoles. So that overall, I guess, it doesn't sound like a lot. Mm. I don't know if that number is 100% accurate, though. Okay. Um, That's just PC Engine. PC right, Engine, okay. yeah. So I, I'm assuming that includes TurboGrafx-16. Mm. But, yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah, I mean, they definitely, in America, they definitely had third-place status when it came to that particular like generation. Fifth place or sixth place. <laughs> well. How much lower can you go? By the time they were done, there were a lot more competitors on the scene. Mm-hmm. But initially, their main competition was Nintendo and Sega. How did that super graphics go? Uh, How'd that make uh, out? That never left Japan. And that only had five games total ever mm. made for it. But it was backwards compatible, to their credit. Oh, okay. So you could play all your old PC Engine I'll games give, I'll give it. them points for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> could you play the American games on that? Uh, no. Not without... Mm. You Not, still need the converter? Uh, to be honest, I don't know if there's... I know you needed a converter for PC Engine on Turbo. That's exactly all I ever had. Okay. I only had adapters had to go from... To be able to play PC Engine games on Turbo mm-hmm. hardware. But to go the other way, you can't use the same adapter. No. You, you had to use a different one, and I don't know of any. Mm. Because I don't know how much demand there was to be able to play U.S. Like games zero. on Japanese <laughs> systems. Yeah, I know people nowadays, they do Switch mods. They open up the console and hardware modify it to be able to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they throw a Switch 
and that changes the pin assignments. It's really, it's a physical lockout. So mm-hmm. it's just, you know, the pin assignments are different. Um, obviously EverDrives can be configured to run on any type of system. So it doesn't matter. That's Do not, they have one for, there is, Oh wow. there was a turbo EverDrive. Yeah. Huh. Uh, Greg also had a final comment and said, most of the rights belong to Hudson which is part of Konami, Konami yeah. as a question. As, yeah, as far as those games being re-released, he says, um, uh, he, I would love to see a flashback system it would sell. He feels that there is market value for a TurboGrafx flashback. Okay, okay. top five games you'd want to see on a flashback, what would they be? Uh, I'd say Bomberman. Okay. Out of the gate. Um, That's one. I would say uh, Blazing Lasers. Ooh, okay, two. Good Shooter in there. Uh, definitely the Bonk games. Okay, we'll, so, we'll count that so, as one. So at least, you know, Bonk 1, 2, and 3 collectively. Okay. I, based on what I played, Legendary Axe for sure. All right, good one. And I'm going to go with uh, Military Madness for the final one. Uh, good really? strategy really? simulation type of a game. It's a, ra- right. it's, it's a game that's in demand for the Turbo Graphics. People, people like this game. Okay. If you want to increase the marketability of a flashback system, mm. I think these are core games you got to have. Okay. Definitely. All right. Good choices then. <laughs> so when is this coming out? This flashback. I don't know. Oh. We, we got to get in touch with that games and get them on the ball. Yeah, right. <laughs> get them on the phone. I wonder if they can do CD games on a flashback. Now that memory is is sort of so cheap. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the limitations much. are. Yeah, I wonder. They're still they're still going to be. I mean, if it's a full like, CD, I don't think any Sega CD games are on that Genesis flashback. No. So maybe there is a limitation. If you're talking about a direct image of the original, you're still talking 600 megabytes per game. Yeah, small, no? They could conceivably compress the audio and make it even smaller, but mm. I don't know what that what technical challenges that would introduce. I don't know. I guess the other question becomes, you know, where the rights belong with some of these games now. Konami does... They, they bought out Hudson. Yeah. And uh, but... I think, you know, they're open to me still making money on these old right. games. Right, they might license it out. We saw a lot, of, a, a lot of TurboGrafx games come out on the Wii Virtual Console. Mm-hmm. So they were definitely in the business of selling those games, uh, up, you know, fairly recently. Right. Well, they um, had a lot of mobile stuff. The Contra yeah. and Castlevania. Right. right. Bomberman. Yeah, I mean, there was even... I think there was even uh, a TurboGrafx iOS sort of a compilation. There was a compilation. I don't think that was from them, though. I think that was before. For, I don't know. You don't think that was official? No, it was official, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure that it was... I don't know how that worked, though. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's why it's not there anymore, because they lost the rights to mm-hmm. publishing that. Okay. So, thanks for writing in and commenting and yes, listening. Yes, appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And don't forget to visit us on Facebook at Our Brooklyn Bites. And if you want to send an email, you could always mail us at obbfeedback at gmail.com. Yep. And... That's about it. Until next week. Bye.